Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright. and This is the video teaching series, How to Pray Like the Apostles Prayed. This is lesson number 10. We have been discussing praying in the Spirit. We've been discussing the importance of praying supernaturally. The last two lessons we've talked about how can you pray in the Spirit if you're not absolutely biblically confident that you have the Spirit? And we've discussed quite a bit in these all these lessons about the significance of praying in tongues, letting the Spirit pray through us. We have an infirmity. We don't know what to pray for as we all. The Spirit itself makes intercession for us. Putting into words... Those feelings we have that we don't understand and we can't say ourselves because he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit and makes intercession for us according to the will of God. So question comes down to this. Why should we pray in tongues daily? Why? Why is that important? Some verses that we have uh, used quite a bit, but I want to Use them here in this context again. 1 Corinthians 14, 14, which we used at the end of the last lesson or near the end of it. But here we are again. Why should I pray in tongues daily? Paul said, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful or my understanding is not producing the prayer. So someone else must be producing the prayer because I'm not. I'm not. So it's the Spirit. He said, what will I do then? What, what am I going to do here? How will I proceed? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing. The word there is more general in the Greek for praise. I will sing or praise with the Spirit, and I will sing or praise with the understanding also. So, what a perfect description <coughs> of our prayer life, what it is and what it should be, or what it should be, and hopefully what it is. That our prayer life throughout the day is a flowing back and forth as the Spirit of the Lord prompts us, flowing back and forth between praying in tongues, letting the Spirit pray through us because we have this infirmity. We don't know what to pray for, and we don't know how to pray for it. So the Spirit, we let the Spirit do that through us, and then the Spirit prompts us to pray about certain things uh, in a, the language of our minds. For my case, obviously, is English. Uh, I am bilingual. I speak in English and tongues, and that's not a joke. It's true. I don't can't speak any other language. Yeah, even after much study in other languages, I don't can't speak them. Just don't have the gift to do that. Uh, and so, the Lord is promoting to us a particular type of prayer life here. It's not some chart we pray. It's not some formula we pray by. Even though He taught us to pray in Luke eleven, and that same prayer is very similarly uh, quoted, but not exactly in either the Greek or the English in Matthew 6. He was teaching us to pray principles and not repeat words. Okay, 
So uh, our prayer life is not supposed to be a ritual. It's not an obligation. Uh, and when you, as you become more more surrendered to his will and no longer doing your will, you will no longer have a prayer life. You will now have a life of prayer. It's not the same thing. And again, because of all the negativity that some have because of tongues, and some of that negativity is simply out of self-defense. I don't speak with tongues, so I tongues can't be necessary because I don't speak with tongues. Uh, that's convoluted logic. Uh, that's like saying I don't drink water, so water is not necessary. I don't breathe air, so air is not breath necessary. Really? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Paul put all that to rest with this one statement. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. I Some, some say that uh, speaking, the Corinthian church was a carnal church because they spoke in tongues too much. Well, if that's really Paul's message, they spoke in tongues too much, then he just made himself worse than them. They didn't speak in tongues too much. They spoke in tongues out of order, especially when they were gathered together. Because all of those boundaries and and, and the, the restrictions on speaking in tongues, especially the use of the gift of tongues, uh, was speaking of when people were gathered together as a body. None of those apply to me praying by myself when nobody else is around. And I'm not praying to myself, so does it really matter except to the pride, the ego, if I don't know what I'm talking about? I'm just wasting my time sitting here just saying all these words. I don't have a clue what I'm talking about. Well, that's the test of our surrender to God, isn't it? It's a test. And are you passing or failing that test? Jesus' name. So Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Earlier in this chapter, he's, there were two specific verses that have some very, very, very pointed things. And I've discussed uh, the, the first one here. I've discussed in some detail in previous lessons, so I won't go into the same depth with it. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 2, a verse that I'm very, very thankful for. For he that speaketh an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. That's not the gift of tongue. That's my, as some call it, the prayer language. That's when the Spirit of the Lord is praying through me in prayer. I'm not, I, what man am I, if I'm by myself, what man am I supposed to pray in English for? Me? Just so my carnal mind can know I'm accomplishing something. Well, if my carnal mind needs to know exactly what it's saying to believe it's accomplishing something, then it doesn't believe really prayer works all that much anyway. And so it's not going to be convinced anyway. But the other thing that's so awesome to me is we are called to pray together as body of believers, whether that's two of us agreeing together or 2,000 of us, or I've been in crowds of 40,000 plus, uh, or approximately 40,000 that all prayed at the same time. And yes, it's just an amazing thing about God. Whether I'm praying in English or in tongues or Spanish or in tongues or whatever it would be your language, if we're all praying at the same time, he has this ability to hear each one of us individually. 
and know exactly what we're saying. Isn't that amazing? I, that probably means he's God. Because I can't do that. You can't do that either. If you're in a room with 10 people talking at what? At once? That can't happen. I had experienced that as a kid. My mother had uh, six sisters, five sisters, six sisters. I don't remember right now. And uh, as a kid, uh, they'd get together. And every one of them wanted to be heard. And they would all talk at the same time. I'm not exaggerating. They'd all talk at the same time. And if if they didn't believe that everybody was hearing what they had to say, then they would get louder. And I'd, I'd sit there for a few minutes. I'd have to leave because I couldn't take that because I couldn't, I didn't know what any of them was saying because it just became all this mesh together. I'm not God. He is. And we can all pray at the same time together and he's able to hear all that. Now, I've been in situations where people prayed, uh, were praying together and they'd go around and let each person pray and everybody else would be silent. Uh, why? Why? So we could sit here what they were praying? I guess there's some purpose for that, I guess. But wouldn't it be avail- better for all 10 to be, if there's 10 praying, that all 10 be praying at the same time? Because God's listening to each one of them, and it's not important for each one of us to listen to each, uh, each other when we're praying. I, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm sorry. So therefore, when I gather together with others, it, uh, most of the time I'm going to be praying in tongues. Well, frankly, whether I'm praying by myself or with others, I have been taught of the Holy Ghost that I'm not going to pray anything in English except what he prompts me to. I don't want to be involved in vain repetition. And I want everything that's prayed coming out of my mouth to be in the perfect will of God. And I have this infirmity. I don't know what to pray for as I ought the way I need to pray about it. I don't know how to pray and I don't know what to pray for. So the Spirit itself is helping me with that. So if I'm going to pray anything in English, I want it to be prompted by the Holy Ghost so that it's profitable. So the majority of the time I'm going to pray in tongues and only pray in English. Now, I can pray with you in tongues and not distract you at all because it's not the volume necessarily that counts. Now, there are times that the Holy Ghost prays, and it's very, very demonstrative and very loud, uh, but that's not normal. The majority of the prayer I pray is more conversational tone, even in tongues. And because of the importance of praying every day in tongues, uh Sometimes the only time I can pray is on an airplane because it's a long flight. So I've learned to pray under my breath in tongues on an airline. I don't disturb anybody around me. I'm not attracting attention, but I'm praying. Or I can walk down the mall praying or ride in the car praying with people or by myself praying in tongues. And there's always something praying. And I'm not doing vain repetition because the Holy Ghost, that's on him. If he's repeating the same stuff and I'm yielded to him, that's between him and himself. <laughs> that's that's on him. Uh, but I don't believe that's the case. Rarely, rarely am I, do I, I, if I'm listening, which I don't always listen when I'm praying in tongues, my mind is listening for his voice. So while he's praying through me, I'm listening. Some of the greatest revelations I've got, he spoke into my mind while I was praying in tongues. So I'm fellowshipping with him and He's praying those things through me that need to be prayed. 
because it's far more important uh, for him to pray through me than whatever I would have to say. Because he's going to do it perfectly according to the perfect will of God. He's going to pray according to the will of God. And and so, you know, I, I'm going to pray, but I'm, I'm in this place uh, where uh, I'm happy to be able to pray and then not know what I'm praying. And I'm also happy that there are times I pray that I don't know what I'm praying because my flesh might not particularly agree with or like what it is I'm praying or he's praying through me. Praise God. So uh, that's a principle that I'm very, very happy with. Verse 14, 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, He that speaketh an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Now, I've had people take this verse and say, well, he that, if you speak in tongues, you're puffing yourself up. In just a few moments in this lesson, I'm going to prove to you how much of a lie that is. It's an absolute lie. It's not true. It's biblically not true, and it's certainly not true from the original languages. So the New Living Translation says, a person, verse 4, 1 Corinthians 14, 4, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. And then we says, the one who utters words in a tongue builds himself up in his Christian life, but he who imparts divine revelations to others builds up the local assembly. Now, yes, I want to be a conduit in whatever means and ways God wants to use me to edify the church. But I cannot be used of God as a conduit to edify the church if I'm not first edified myself. And the word edify here in 1 Corinthians 14, 4, the Greek is exactly the same Greek word that's in Jude, verse 20, which is only one chapter, verse chapter 1, verse 20. It said, Beloved, build up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Build up there in the Greek, and Jude 20 is the same Greek word of, if I pray in an unknown tongue, I am edifying myself. So how can God use me to edify the church if I'm not edified? I have to be built up and strengthened in my most holy faith if I'm going to be submitted to God and give my will to him so that he can edify the church through me. The same Greek word is used both both times in this verse. The same Greek word is used in Jude 20 about building up my, my most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And it's, and it's in this verse, but it's in this verse twice. Whoever prays in own tongue edifies himself. But whoever prophesies edifies the church. Not two different Greek words. The same Greek word. So the same Greek word is used both times in this verse for edify. If it is negative in one place, then it is negative in the other. However, if it's positive in one place, it's positive in the other. So whatever kind of edification the Spirit does when I'm praying in tongues by myself... That same principle of edification is done when after I'm edified, he then uses me to edify others. And the most edifying thing that God's ever done through me is he gives me a revelation 
a lot of times, like I've said, is he speaks it into my mind while, while my mouth is speaking in tongues. And then he uses me as a conduit to share that revelation with others and it edifies the church. And that's the way we said 1 Corinthians 14, 4. The one who utters words in a tongue builds himself up in his Christian life, but he who imparts divine revelations to others builds up the local assembly. So this same this Greek word edify means to build, to be a house builder, construct or confirm would be the the figurative application. Uh, according to Strong, uh, Strong Stairs says it means metaphorically to found, to established. Literally, it means to build a house, erect a building. But metaphorically, it means to to found, to establish, to promote growth in Christian wisdom, affection, grace, virtue, holiness, blessedness, to grow in wisdom and piety. That's what Thayer says the word edify means. There is no context here that he that speaks in tongues puffs himself up. How do I know that? 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 says, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity, love, agape, edifieth. The same Greek word is used here for edify as in both Jude 20, verse 20, and in 1 Corinthians 14, 4, twice. But a completely different word is used for puffeth up. It's a different word, and it means to puff up or to have a wrong evaluation of yourself. So praying in the spirit by tongues does not puff us up. It strengthens us in God. Now, it is possible for someone to uh, be so committed to their own will that even when they speak in tongues, they're not yielded to God. And they may end up puffed up because of that and deceived because of that because they misinterpret their ability to exercise the gift of speaking that is given to us, the gift of the Holy Ghost, as evidenced by speaking in tongues as we pray and praise they may interpret speaking in tongues as proof that they're okay when the rest of the fruit of their life proves they're not. Jesus' name. Praying the Spirit or praying in the Spirit by speaking in tongues enables me to pray for things that I don't I that that need to be prayed for, but I don't know what or how to pray. I know we've gone through these verses before, but the subject here is, why should I pray in tongues every day? Well, here it is again, Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. But we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Bible in basic English says of verse 26, in the same way the Spirit is a help to our feeble hearts, for we not we are not able to make prayer to God in the right way. But the Spirit puts our desires into words which are not in our power to say. 
So I, I need to do this every day because this is the way to pray. I don't know how to pray and I don't know what to say in prayer and on any particular thing it needs to be prayed about. I don't know what the will of God on that is, but God does. So if I'm yielded to him, he can pray. He can fulfill his word by praying through me for that thing in praying in tongues. And I thank my God, I speak with tongues a lot. <laughs> I don't know how to compare that. I'm not interested in comparing it, but I pray in tongues a lot. Why? Because I want all these benefits. I want to pray prayer that's pleasing to God. I want him to pray through me in a way that pleases him. I want him to do that. And I want to learn how to be a conduit in prayer so I can be a conduit in ministry. And prayer is ministry, but when I'm ministering to people rather than ministering the Lord ministering to his kingdom through me or ministering his will in the earth through me or whatever it would be, however he wants to do that, exercising his authority through me, when he's, when he's not doing those things and he's, he has, he's using me to minister to others, I, I want to have learned how to be a conduit, and I can't be a conduit for the Holy Ghost if I'm not sensitive to the Spirit of God in prayer and allowing the Holy Ghost to pray through me. How do I know that? We've also covered these verses before. John seven thirty seven. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake ye of the Spirit that they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. The Greek word translated out of there is the Greek word ek, a preposition ek, or sometimes it's spelled ex, E-K or E-X in our uh, English equivalent letters. It is the primary preposition denoting origin, the place whence action or motion proceeds from or out of. So, this, if I believe on him as the scripture hath said, out of his, my belly shall flow, my innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Strong says the word means from, uh, it's from the word that means hollow and it means literally cavity, uh, or abdomen or belly or the heart, the inner man. Vine says it means, it denotes the entire physical cavity, but most frequently was used to, de to de denote the womb. In John 7, 38, it stands metaphorically for the innermost part of man, the soul, the heart. Uh, Thayer says uh, that it, uh, among several definitions, I'm just going to read the last one for time's sake. It says it's the innermost part of a man, the soul, the heart, as the seat of thought, feeling, and choice. Now, here's where it really gets... Ah, uh, it's amazing. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And the Greek word here is R-H-E-O-H-R-E-O. And most of the time, this word is translated as to speak. And it, it's used of speak supernaturally to utter or to speak or say. And it is the root word for the word rhema, rhema, R-H-E-M-A. And the suffix M-A at the end of any Greek word, it means the results of. So reo, R-H-E-O, is the utterance of the living voice, is very literal. 
In this case, it's almost always used as the utterance of the supernatural voice of God speaking to us or through us. And so, Rhema is the result of, or what has been said to us or through us by the living voice, the voice of the Spirit of God. But in this particular case, they translated the word reo, not as say, but as flow. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So how do the, how does this, these rivers flow? They flow in supernatural words that are being spoken through us by the Holy Ghost. The living water. And it is rivers of ministry. Rivers. He, singular, that believeth on me, as the scripture had said, out of his, singular, belly, shall flow rivers of living water. So the Spirit can minister through us, not as a a trickle or a stream, but as a river in any particular direction, out of the same person can come multiple types of rivers of flow of ministry to God, to uh the will of God, the kingdom of God, the name of the Lord Jesus and the earth, or to inner individuals in prayer, in praying for things, in impartation, and all of those things. The Greek word translated living water in John 7 is, living water means the water of running streams or fountains as opposed to that of stagnant cisterns, pools, and marshes. So it cannot be living waters if it is still. It has to be flowing. So I have the Holy Ghost. Big deal. What benefit does God get out of you having the Holy Ghost if it doesn't flow? It's stagnant. This becomes a real issue with God. This is a real issue with God. It's a real issue with God. Jeremiah chapter 7, chapter 2 Verses 12 and 13 are some of the most shocking verses in all of the Bible. Be be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and be ye horribly afraid. Be very desolate, saith the Lord. Whoa. Uh, The world would say, drama much, God? Not drama. That's the shocking and the disturbing thing. This is how disturbed he is. There's no drama in this at all. Listen to this again. Be astonished, O you heavens. No drama. Be astonished, O you heavens, at this. And be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, saith the Lord. No drama. What has gotten the Lord so disturbed, so upset? For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken Abandon me, the fountain of living waters, and have hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. A cistern cistern is a reservoir tank container for storing or holding water. According uh, according to one dictionary, this is an English word or the English dictionary definition. Uh, World English Dictionary defines the word cistern as a tank for storage of water. 
or an underground reservoir for the storage of a liquid, especially rainwater. Uh, uh, one of our favorite places to go, even though we've only been a few times, is Bermuda. And there's no source of fresh water on the islands of Bermuda. So all of the water that they drink and use on the island uh, is from rainwater until uh, they did uh, a few years ago build a huge desalination plant to turn salt water into fresh, whatever that tastes like. So every building in Bermuda has a roof that's constructed in such a way that it collects rainwater. Uh, and they're all whitewashed. Every roof in, in Bermuda is high, whitewashed. And the water, the water flows off the roof into, to, uh, uh, gutters, but those gutters are really conduits that takes them down to the corners of the building to pipes. And those pipes go into rock, uh, uh, cisterns or rock cavities that they have dug out of that rock to hold the water. Because they have no other way to do it. They don't have fountains. They don't have wells. And so the Lord says they have hewn themselves out cisterns, broken cisterns, hold, hold water. They've forsaken me the fountain of living water. Uh, that uh, e- English word definition is a spring or a source of water, the source or a head of a stream, the source or origin of anything. World English Dictionary says it is a natural spring of water, especially the source of a stream, a principal source or origin figuratively. Uh, a, a well is a hole or shaft that is excavated, drilled, or bored, or cut into the earth so as to trap a supply of water, uh, oil, gas, etc. That A natural pool where wa- groundwater comes to the surface, a cavity or space or vessel uh, used to contain liquid. And finally, the World English Dictionary defines well as a source, especially one that contains a continuous supply. And the Lord says this, and he is very concerned about it. My people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain, the well of living water. And they've hewn themselves out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Jesus told the woman at the well, uh, whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. For it shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. Why should I speak in tongues every day? Because I want that flow out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. I want that water flowing. I want it light. I want it fresh. I don't living. I don't want it stagnant. I want it to flow through me. Why? I, I, I want the benefits of that living water flowing through me because I'm, it can't flow through me to benefit others without benefiting me first. I want that. I need that. So he said they've hewn themselves out cisterns. A cistern doesn't have any source of water. You have to pour the water into a cistern from the top, a container. Everybody seemingly starts out as some kind of cistern or vessel because we all become filled with the Holy Ghost. But at some point in time, at some point in time, we have to 
no longer be a vessel that contains the Holy Ghost, but we must become a conduit that the Holy Ghost flows through. Because when we're a vessel, our purpose of prayer and our purpose of going to church is to get our vessel topped off so that it always stays full. But the problem is if I'm seeking for the Lord to renew me and all that, uh, the only way to know if my vessel is full is what flows out of the vessel. But the problem is if the vessel is full and I pour more in, there has to be water flowing out of the vessel in all directions. It flows out. And the problem is it is the water coming into a full vessel that causes pressure that forces some water out because the vessel can only contain the amount of capacity that it's got. Well, that may be okay with you, but it's not okay with me. It's certainly not okay with God. And what is what is it that makes us a vessel that keeps us from being a conduit? What is that? What is that? It's the bottom of the vessel. And what is the bottom? The bottom uh, point or the bottom fact or the end point of all of this is it is me, my self-will that caps me off and gives me a limited amount of capacity in God. So until I'm willing to die out to my self-will, I cannot be a conduit because a conduit can have essentially an unlimited amount of God flow through it. A true conduit is neutral. It doesn't tell God what to flow, how to flow, when to where flow, where to flow. A conduit's always available to God to flow whenever, however, doing whatever he wants to do. But I can't be that conduit till I give up my will. I can't. It's not possible. Because a vessel, a container, cannot be a conduit. Because you put more in, it spills out. So all we can talk about is being filled with the Spirit. But from the beginning, when he promised, when he promised, he told he told the woman at the well that the Spirit of God would be in her a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. Well, that well is not a container. It's a source of a continuous flow. And it can't flow out if there's not room to flow out. And self blocks that flow, contains it, wants to control it. We want to tell God what to do, how to do, when to do, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, here's my pain, problems, and pressure. Fix them. Don't let this happen, cause this to happen, all of that. We call that prayer. And it may be the prayer of a vessel, but it's not the prayer of a container. Because we don't tell God what to do. He tells us what to do. And then he flows through us, praying for those things that he wants to do, how he wants to pray about it so that it can get done. So what are, what are we doing here? Do you want to be a well? Do you want to be a, you want to have, the fountain of the Lord in your life, or do you just want to be a cistern, a vessel, a vessel? I don't want to be a vessel. I was saved and made a vessel, but in the process, the Lord showed me, taught taught me that I don't want anything restricting what he wants to put in and flowing out. I don't want that. 
that's what speaking in tongues, part of what it teaches me consciously and subconsciously. It's that flow. I want to let him flow. I want to let him flow. Why? Because I want the river flowing out. And I, but the proof that it's not, he's not putting it in a vessel that is then overflowing out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. It's not speaking over. It's not talking about overflow. I don't want to live in the overflow. I want to live with an outflow. Big difference. Big difference. And you can have the difference if you're interested in that. Again, Paul's, uh, Isaiah prophesied, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. This is the refreshing, yet some won't hear. And so when I'm praying in tongues and I, I, I've yielded myself to God, there's peace. There's no pressure. There's peace and it flows, it flows, it flows. That's why Paul declared, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. But he also declared, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Do you speak in tongues a lot, whatever that means? Can the Lord speak through you, pray through you in tongues any time of the day, and you're going to yield to him? He's not going to embarrass you. That's He doesn't. He's not trying to attract attention to you, but he he does want that to be the case. So Paul said, I thank, thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. He said we are to follow him as follow, he follows Christ, but how about this time? Here's another place where he makes a statement, 1 Corinthians 4, 15 through 17. For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. For this cause I have sent unto you Timotheus, Timothy, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church." There's nothing that I've taught in this series of lessons so far on how to pray like the apostles prayed that they didn't teach or pray. They, every bit of it, that's where I got all of it. I got it from them. Jesus commanded them, Matthew 28, 20, to teach us to observe all things whatsoever he commanded them. So whatever they taught, he taught them. So I can follow them as they follow Christ and then I can teach others to do the same with me. If I'm following Christ, then I truly can say to others, follow me as I follow Christ. But the real focal point here is the apostles. That's who we're supposed to be following. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that the Spirit of God would give you and I, by the grace of God, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of how important it is to him and to his purposes and to his kingdom that you and I will pray in the Spirit every day and let the Spirit pray through us anytime in any way that he wants to for his will's sake, for his kingdom's sake, and for his name's sake. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray these things. Amen. God bless you. Amen.